for I taught English in Spain for a little, and so I still had these Spanish teachers that I was friends with, and then I didn't talk to them for like three years. Then I got SNL, and I was on the news in Madrid. They were like no. racist, comico, like, and they all started hitting me on WhatsApp like, Shane, what the, what happened? Like you're racist? I was like, Lo siento, <laughs> Lo siento, amigos. This week on Forward, one of the funniest people on the internet, one half of Gillian Keeves, and someone I have a little bit of shared history with, Shane Gillis. Hey, Welcome, Shane. I'm happy we finally got to actually sit down. Yeah, me too. So you and I spoke back in 2019, uh, and so you know, I was one, like, if people are like Shane Gillis, that sounds vaguely familiar, <laughs> and you're an, an Andrew Yang fan. So to to recast this. September 2019, some very exciting announcements are made about the new cast of Saturday Night Live. It includes Bowen Yang, Chloe Fineman, and Shane Gillis. And so you are exultant for approximately how many hours? <laughs> I probably had 24 hours because I knew I was going to get a, I got the call that I was going to be on the show a day before. And then, when, yeah, once it got announced, I probably had about six hours. Didn't take them long. Okay, so then six hours later, news came out that you had made some uh, offensive comments on a podcast, maybe like, you know, X months earlier about yeah. me personally, I, I was on there, and then yeah. other groups, I think uh, Asians were certainly on there, uh, maybe maybe some others. I think and, all of them, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, every group, know, every group. So yeah, they was, got me on Asians, though. Seemed like, like I just heard about the Asian thing. Yeah, which is a, it's a funny thing to get me particularly for one thing, because then it seems like that's like something I'm actually like, you know what I mean? Now it looks like I just am a guy going around like fucking I hate Asians. It's like, no, dude. Well, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, does that make I, sense? No, it, it does <laughs> make sense because that's the way I remember the news coverage and that's yeah. obviously how it came to my attention. So uh, I see this and then I'm like, okay, who the heck is this guy? And my, my wife's like, who the heck is this guy? So we sit down and watch some of your comedy and pretty quickly conclude that you're not some, like, you know, malignant uh rancid like ranting type <laughs> yeah that you seemed like a comedian uh and at that time i made a statement saying look like i, I don't like some of this humor but no one should lose their job over making comments on a podcast uh, you know and i didn't say this at the time but it was like podcast that frankly no one fucking heard I mean, yeah. like no, no yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's like like <laughs> that, that no one listened no, no, no one yeah. listened. And so someone took the time to be like, okay, here are these things. You're an up and coming comedian. I thought that in this case, it was like, look, uh, and at the time, even when I made this statement, I didn't think that they would listen. Um, but I said, as someone who is personally slurred, I don't think that this is something that someone should lose a job over. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so during this time, what's happening to you? Oh, um, yeah, just getting canceled. And so what is it <laughs> like? getting crushed. Uh, what do you say being crushed? So the news stories start coming out, and then what happens? Uh, you just start getting, like, every tweet ever. Like, I mean, I was number one on Twitter for, like, three days. Just getting – because there was a debate. That was the hard part was, like, there was – I understood both sides of the argument. Like, I, I think everyone did. Like, he should be fired or 
He was just joking. So you go from the highest of highs, probably calling your parents, being like, hey, yeah, guess what? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, that was the first thing I was ever able to, like, tell my parents in comedy that they understood. You know, normally they'd be like, oh, I'm featuring this weekend for so-and-so. They'd be like, who cares? This was the first one I was like, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. They were like, wow. Wow. We're proud of you. <laughs> yeah. You know. And it must have been a number of years to lead up to that point. And yeah. there were probably times when your parents were not exactly pumped about <laughs> no, your no, career no, choices. No. Um, so to rewind a little bit, uh, you played high school football. Yeah. You attended West Point on a football scholarship. Is that right? Yeah. But, I mean, they, they give you full rides no matter what at West Point. But, yeah, I was there to play football. So at this point, and the, the reason I'm casting this is that your parents are probably pretty proud well, of you Well, they were point. proud. <laughs> no, they were proud then. And then I got there, quit, cried, did the whole, you know, you can't cry in boot camp. They don't like it. Uh, I was a big <laughs> baby. And I went home. Uh, so, yeah, they were pretty disappointed. So how many years was it before between you saying, hey, I'm going to give comedy a try, and then you're being able to call your parents and say, hey, mom and dad, guess what? I'm, I'm going to be on SNL. Eight or nine years. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's a tough stretch, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And then when the negative coverage started coming out, um, you probably read that article and you're like, okay, like, uh, and then you start trending on Twitter. So, so I was, I went to go do stand-up that night and I was like, oh, this is going to be the coolest night ever. All the comedians are going to be like, hey, there he is, you know. So I'm on the train from Queens going into the city, and my agent calls and is like, did you say that slur? And I was like, no. Like, I was like, I wouldn't say that. I genuinely, I was like, no, I don't even, why would I say that? And then she was like, here's a video of you saying it. And I was like, holy shit. And then, so you know how it is riding the train. You lose service. Ugh. So I would lose service for like five minutes. And then at the next stop, get a million texts that are like, holy shit, you're, you're fucked. Yeah, so I got like gradually canceled every stop. It, wow. was, it was crazy. It was surreal. It was totally surreal. I don't know how to really describe it. I'm not like, by the way, I'm not, I want it to be clear, I'm not a victim. Like, I'm not like sitting here like, oh, I can't believe what they did to me. It's like, no. there's it, a video it, of me using a slur. It's like, there's going to be some backlash. Yeah. Oh, so, and it's one of the things I, I've appreciated about your um, time since, and a lot of people might not know this, but you haven't, frankly, responded in the way a lot of people do if they are the recipient of, like, a lot of energy, which is to go to whatever the opposite of that energy yeah. is. Um, yeah, I tried to make sure that, because that's how, that's how it really, like, getting canceled or however you want, consequence, whatever, uh, that's how I think it really gets you, is if you let it become who you are, you know? Like yeah, if so you like start fighting against it, being a fucking. Did you have that perspective immediately, or or what was that process? Yeah, I think so. I think I always had that because uh, it's also just not who I am. Like, if I was a closeted alt right dude, and they outed me, then it'd be hard to fake, you know. But I was just I don't know. Yeah, if anything, your humor. I mean, I'd call it middle of the road. Um, but a lot of your stuff, you're kind of a high-level Trump impersonator. Yeah, I got that good, yeah. <laughs> Which obviously is poking fun at Trump, like, uh, an, an awful yeah. lot. Um, and I think a lot of your humor is actually poking fun at yourself. It's something that if, if someone decides to check you out, they, they can see. That's one of the running themes. <laughs> yeah. So around this time, um, I, my team puts me in touch with you, and I have a call with you. During our phone conversation, I was like, okay, like, I felt good about the statement I made saying, like, look, I, I don't think this guy should should lose his job. Yeah, and I, I really, really appreciated that, for real. Like, that was like, I was like, damn, this guy's awesome. Social media is attacking you. Like, uh, are you getting updates from your agent in a particular way? Uh, does someone, who, yeah, who, who reaches nonstop. out to you? Yeah, it was nonstop, just on the phone for like four days straight. 
just taking from SNL, NBC, my agents, my management, people trying to do interviews, all that. So I don't remember you doing interviews. I didn't. Time. I didn't. Because yeah. I think, I mean, it was never going to be good <laughs> at the time. It was That's never going to be good. I didn't want to talk about comedy. Like, I'm, I'm too new at it still. So for me to, like, pontificate about comedy makes me feel uncomfortable, you know, to just try to, like, quote Patrice O'Neill and be like, every good joke is born from a bad attempt, something like that. The thing is that, that sucked with mine was it was a podcast, so it wasn't like a well-thought-out, smart joke. It was just talking, and I said the wrong thing. And then when did you start having the sense, okay, uh, they're going to rescind this offer, slash I'm going to... I kind of knew from the start. Like, right away, I was like, there's no way they're going to let this go. This is, especially SNL. SNL is, it's one of the few jobs where they'll definitely fire you for that. And it's one of the few jobs that people will look into your past when you get it. I could have been hired for most places and no one would have cared. Is there anyone on your team saying, hey, maybe if we do X, Y, Z... Oh, yeah, everybody was coming up with, you should do this, do this, try this. So what, what were those ideas? Um, it'd be like, let's do a, this guy from the New York Times wants to write an article or a profile or something, and it's like... I don't know, but I'm just going to put my life in this guy's hands. It'd be like, hopefully he writes something good. But did the people close to you advise you to do it? Everybody had different ideas. No one knew what to do. No one knew what to it do. It was a sinking ship. There was no, I was the only one that was like, it's over. You know what I find myself thinking? Um, because it, it did seem like the attention was primarily on um, your comments about Asians. I wonder if there was like an equivalent, because uh, periodically people screw up with particular groups and then they go and be like, look, I insulted this group. I'm now going to get abs like absolution slash understanding slash educated. But did anyone say to you, it's like, hey, is there like, you know, can we do something that's gonna? Yeah, but that seems. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like when people do that. I don't know. It seems weird to me. Like well, like like Bill Maher said the N word on his show, and then the next week I think had Ice Cube on. Now Ice Cube's got to enlighten me in front of the whole world. It's like a weird. I don't know. It seems phony to me. You know. I know I didn't mean it <laughs> so it's hard for me to be like now i need to re-educate myself it's like no dude it's that that's probably very genuine and often the case in a lot of these instances yeah, where the it, person like you know what what it is when you say it seems phony for a lot of these people it's like look the team says like this is how you get out of this this is the pr move uh like that yeah they they'll give you an apology to tweet the like a company will or your agent or somebody they'll be like here tweet this and it's like no i'm not that's crazy. So you were given that sort of thing. I was given an like, apology, like, template. And they are like, tweet this. And I was like, I can't. So um, so this is actually, in a, in a way, like, extraordinarily principled of you in a, in a way. It's like you have people who are meant to be minding your professional interests being like, look, this is going to be best for your professional interests. Yeah. And then you looked at it and say, like, I, I can't genuinely put my name to this because that's not actually what, yeah. I, what, like, what I am thinking at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. And also, the thing that hurt me was I had no, no one knew who I was. There was no previous thing to, like, look back and be like, no, he's funny. No one had any idea. That was the only clip anybody had ever seen. So it was like, it's, That is unfortunately you know? probably accurate. Yeah. You built up a body of work since then. Yeah, of course. Um, that yeah. I, I do recommend people check out because it's genuinely smart and funny. Thank you. Like, you're talented. So SNL, it may be one of the highest watermarks in comedy. And they thought you were funny enough to be there yeah and so there that has to feel good yeah that was cool 
That was cool to go straight to cast. That was cool. Oh yeah, it was cool. A, yeah, a great six hours apparently. It was a good six hours. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online... I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN dot com slash Yang. Go to expressvpn.com slash Yang to learn more. You grew up in Pennsylvania, is that right? Yeah. Were there a lot of Asians around where you grew up? No. Like, do you remember any in your school? Yeah, there were a couple. Uh, so I went to a school like that where I was one of the couple. <laughs> like yeah. there, there was like one per year. Yeah. So growing up in that environment for me, and this was, I'm older than you, so this was like the 80s when there were only like three TV networks and, and the rest of it. So there were very, very few images of Asians of any kind. Like the most prominent ones that anyone would know would be Bruce Lee. Jackie Chan wasn't even a thing at yeah. that point. This was like pre-Rumble in the Bronx. I remember when Rumble in the Bronx came out. Went to a movie theater and I was like, you know, Jackie Chan's made it. To the States. So uh, I got uh, teased about being Asian like all the time as a kid. Yeah. Um, and as a kid, it was difficult. Uh, and I'd skipped a grade, so I was like scrawny and smaller. Yeah. And, and so there was like a lot of this like um, anger that built up in me, honestly. The, so the, the thing that happened to me growing up was like I thought to myself, okay, I can be the Chinese guy that takes it or I can be the Chinese guy that fucking fights over it. Yeah. And so I chose the latter and I lost most all of those fights because I was the scrawny yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian guy. Um, but the the teachers and administrators tended to punish whoever I was fighting with because they just assumed that like, oh, it must be the other kid's fault. Yeah. And it actually got to a point sometimes when it was not the other kid's fault. Nice. <laughs> like sometimes I would, I would just be like. You were just uh, like, it's time to fight. <laughs> or yeah, it's like, or I would be, it was not, I mean, I'm not happy or proud of it. But part of it is that I was very conscious of being one of the only Asian kids growing up. Um, it gave me a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And then uh, I went to uh, both a prep school in my case and a college that had a much higher like, you know, number of Asians, probably higher than normal. And you live in Queens now, right? Yeah. 
which is like I mean it's, it's very diverse. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, like extremely literally, diverse. Literally, where you live might be the most diverse place in yeah, the entire country. It's crazy. Uh, so I've got two boys who are nine and six, and sometimes I look at them to try and figure out what their experience is like and how similar or dissimilar it is to mine. And it turns out it's completely dissimilar. Uh, like they don't seem conscious of their race in the least. Yeah. My per perception or response to it has evolved over my lifetime. Um, but also like the times have changed a, a little bit. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, times might have even changed since, um, since 2019 when we're having this conversation. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. 2020 when COVID happened, then like anti-Asian stuff did start getting more like dark and yeah. venomous and uh, even violent in some cases. Um, you know, like, like here in New York where I, I've, I've been most of the time, you did have a, a different energy. It's like the first time in my life where I felt like uh, like being Asian actually made you more of a target uh, in, yeah. in, for, more, for more than just like, you know, snide comments or whatever the heck. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Asian women in particular who literally try and make themselves look less Asian when they leave the house. Jeez. They're like putting on sunglasses and like wrapping themselves. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really dark. Yeah. It's, it's pretty disgusting. Growing up Asian in this country, like you don't expect, at least the way I grew up, like you don't expect people not to see that you're Asian because it's like obvious. Yeah. And you don't even expect necessarily for them to not make certain associations. Like I'm not someone who gets hyper reactive to people's statements in large part because I grew up in an environment where people were just saying shit to each other all the time. Yeah. And I, I think about the kids I grew up with and like would I run to them now and be like, you're racist. Be like, no, there were, would we, would friends give each other shit about, you know, something about their background or identity uh, all the time? Yeah, it makes sense. If you've been around white dudes talking shit, you've heard it. I don't know. I guess that's what you're, you're trying to say, right? A little bit. It's like you're a little more accustomed to it than, because I, rem I remember my high school. Yeah, we did almost no minorities. But when they were, people, I mean, people definitely said shit. And I don't think it, it sounds ridiculous, but it wasn't like hateful. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I Looking do know. back at it, it's like, Jesus Christ. That was crazy. This is one of the things that I genuinely don't know, Shane. And yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. If you and I went to a high school today, yeah. <laughs> like, does this, stif this does stuff still go on? I don't know. I think they're no. I think they're very serious about it. Uh, Maybe I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't I, been in school. Well, uh, again, it's one of the reasons why I look at my kids' experience, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Because there are times when I feel like I had an experience, be like, oh, like I'm out of date. Uh, and and one of the things that certainly uh, I stand for uh, is that people can make a mistake, and then they should be allowed to move on acknowledge that mistake or yeah. sometimes maybe say like look like you know uh maybe i'm not going to do the pro forma things other than yeah social media doesn't help social media is the worst yeah. i mean right right now if someone wanted to make either of us look like shit they could produce like a 60 second long montage of yeah. us doing you know very unfortunate seeming things <laughs> yeah, yeah. out of context no i've done stupid stupid things for sure in their defense too I am sitting in front of a camera recording it and doing it. So that's another, you know, aspect of it. Where it's like, I am putting it out there. So there is, a, you know, it's like, oh, I said something stupid, so what? It's like, well, I, I did record it and post it on the internet. 
I mean, this is obviously going to be a byproduct of the, the age we're in, but I, I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to have a hard time transitioning to, let's say, running for political office uh, yeah. because there's there's all sorts of digital history of them doing things where, like, hey, I can build this. I, like, I know people I'm trying to get to run for president right now, some of whom are comedians, some of whom are not. <laughs> but, 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 trying but, to get a comedian to run for president? Uh, you know, I mean, there are a couple that are at least looking at it. Oh, wait, actually, I've been asking comedians this. Who would be your number one draft pick as a comedian to run for president? Whew. I think overall you'd probably say somebody like John Stewart. John Stewart's very, very high on people's list. Yeah, it's got to be him, right? So th- that's one of the most popular. Um, Who else do people say? People, people say Chappelle, but they know he won't do it, and I know yeah, he won't do Chappelle it. Chappelle wouldn't do it. Well, you, he won't do it. Someone said Al Franken. Um, the other week, and that one actually makes sense. Yeah, because he's he's been a senator. He I'd probably he was close. I think he would have probably run, right? He probably would have run. Yeah, would, would have run, and he would have done well. And, and when I talk about this sense of uh, forgiveness and yeah. understanding, Al Franken would probably be at the top of most people's list because that dude got drummed down of the Senate during like a very emotionally charged time. Yeah, a- and there was no due process. It was like, hey guys, let's have like a hearing and like sure. investigate. And people were like, no, you out. And then yeah. he was like, you know, he was left with very little choice. Um, I think there are a lot of people that were good that one. It would have been nice to have him against Trump on the debate stage. Well, well, th- he would have been able to handle that. Okay, so I was on, uh, I was on a panel a number of days ago with Chris Christie, who now people are, are down on for various reasons. But mm. sitting with him, he was both talented and funny. Yeah. And he made a case to the folks that were there. It was like, hey, you put me on a debate stage with Donald Trump, like I can really do some damage. Um, and listening to Christie talk about this, I was like, he actually could because he's been around him a lot. He's kind of comfortable and he's got that, that kind yeah. of manner. So when you say Al Franken would have done the same, like I, I think that there is some real merit to having someone with comedic experience and abilities, uh, particularly if, if uh, you're running against someone like Trump. Trump yeah. actually has a lot of those. He's very funny. He's undeniably funny. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think he's undeniably funny. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean he's, no, he's entertaining for sure. He's got, uh, he's also an incredibly experienced performer. Yeah. The proportion of politics that is performative is now sky high. Yeah. Uh, and so if you have these performers, you have these political performers, and a lot of people are tuning out that sort of performance now. Like there was yeah. a, a theory I had that we we're in like a post-inspiration age where if you come out and you're like inspirational, um, like Obama, like now that stuff like, you know, doesn't work as well. That's because they used it up. They did it so often with everything. Everybody was trying to be inspirational. Like, it'd be like, is it, is that, ins-? like, you know, it'd be like, oh, great. <laughs> a significant proportion of them almost seem like they're imitating Obama, too, because yeah, that's for the sure. template. For sure. And it doesn't seem to work. No. And now there's going to be a, probably a, a wave of dudes imitating Trump, which that's tough to pull off. He's one of the only guys, I think, that can do that, which is get away with everything. Oh, I a thousand percent agree with you that Trump <laughs> is going to spawn a whole legion. yeah. yeah. Uh, of which will be fun to watch I- for imitators. Me. It'll be funny to see guys try to be mean on the debate stage. That'll be fun. Well, there was a moment in 2016 when Marco Rubio tried to yeah. imitate Trump, and it was just it he fell so hammered. flat, and you're just yeah. like, oh, it doesn't work. Um, you have to to be able to pull it off in a certain Jeb, way. Jeb tried. Jeb started chirping back, and he got it's, crushed. He was like, "You're high energy tonight, Jeb. I like that." It was like, oh, he's it was, so fucking good at talking shit.
And everybody else had to play by the political rules. Everybody else had to, don't be rude, be a politician, be good. And he's up there just bullying people. Just overrunning them. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. This really is, right now, not to make too much of it, but it's sort of my life's work <laughs> right now. Is yeah. to check it out. You have uh, the Democratic Party establishment who are like, hey, you got to play by these rules. Like, we're going to act a certain way. We're like buttoned up and we have uh, a certain way of presenting. By the way, I ran for president uh, in this crew. And then you have the Republican Party under Trump that's become this anti-institutional, fuck everything, burn it down kind of energy. Uh, uh, and there's a Republican establishment within that yeah. that fought Trump and lost. And now Trump's now influences. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, now everyone's going along with it. You know, there has to be a kind of this positive ex-institutional energy that comes up and, and ends up being like this third force in American politics. So my paragon example of this is someone like Matthew McConaughey. Like, yeah. so McConaughey is from outside the institutions, but he's not an asshole like uh, in the same way Trump is. Yeah. Uh, and so I look at someone like that and think, God, yeah, like that's the kind of figure that we need to get us out of this mess. Now, there are certain people Damn. over here that think that's where we're at. You know, can you I imagine mean, as a country? Oh, I can ten imagine. Years ago, 10 years ago. Oh, 10 years like, ago, probably not. Hopefully, Matthew McConaughey can get us out of this mess. It's like, oh, man, what so, are we doing? So you can fill in figures for Matthew McConaughey. Mark Cuban's in this category. Yeah. The Rock is in this category. Oh. Some would say Oprah. Oh, wait. So you're, 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 you're laughing. Like, but. Yeah, I'm laughing. I know. I know. It's just, it's a, it is funny that this is where we're at it's like hopefully the rock can team up with matthew mcconaughey and defeat trump and save america it's like damn i mean i certainly think the odds of that are much higher than joe biden defeating trump joe biden's gone he's gone <laughs> Which is, right there's no chance i mean i think there's a a likelihood he ends up the nominee if they then. do that they're again they're trying to lose <laughs> i think they might I mean, be trying I, so to lose you, you should know man i've gone through this this logic uh, so you and I, if they, if they ran today again, Trump versus Biden, Trump would win. I agree. And if they do DeSantis or whatever, he'll win. If you're going awesome. against Biden, where, where did this very strange, uh, uh, like uh, A versus B versus C, 
uh, like, uh, you know, prisoner's dilemma type thing yeah. where it's like, okay. And so when I was uh, on this panel with Chris Christie, Chris Christie said, look, generic Republican beats uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. And then I looked at Chris and I said, I may agree with you, but a generic Republican cannot win your primary. Yeah. So this is like the order of operations is that if you get Trump, then Joe says only I can defeat Trump. And then, like, meanwhile, in both cases... He'll be 82 running? Yeah. It's like, we can't... He'll be 82 in 2024. Um, Trump will be 77. Yeah, Trump's... We got to figure that out, too. I mean, DeSantis is in his 40s, so... He's pretty likable. Well, I mean, he's well-liked. He's popular. Yeah, he's very popular. He's popular. I'd say he's he's probably Republican's strongest... Yeah, non-Trump. A non-Trump candidate. Uh, I just am of the opinion that if Trump runs... No one will run. Yeah, he, he, see, you know, it's like you have... Who end their career. That's yeah, what will happen. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's much more prudent and intelligent for them just to be like, look, well, I'm going to sit the cycle out like Sandra Trump thing. He could be that his VP be and just glide back in. And then he can be the next president. That would be the smart I said the exact same freaking thing, yeah. Shane. For comedians, too, and this is maybe one reason I naturally sympathize, I've been on camera hundreds of hours. Yeah over the last number of years. So the odds of my fucking up are 100%. I fucked up yesterday. <laughs> last <laughs> night. It's uh, killing me. The anxiety. Uh, well, tell me about that. I did a like, dumb yeah. drinking podcast at Barstool last night. And I think I might have come off like a jerk. So, so, so that's tell, killing me. So tell me about this anxiety you feel after the fact. Um... Well, seeing myself on camera, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And especially if you, I was drunk on camera, like, ah, shut up. Yeah, fuck you. You know, that's not a good look. That's The funny thing is, too, is I knew that's what I was doing. I signed up to do that. I was like, this will be funny to get drunk on camera. Well, do you know you're a pissed off asshole drunk? No, I'm not. <laughs> Usually I'm not. Usually I'm not. Something happened last night. I was chirping. Okay, I got it. So, you But just, it's you also just a hangover marriage. anxiety today. You know how that is. But you but you've Do seen you the drink? footage? I, I'm not much of a drinker at all. No. I saw some of the footage on the way here. That's not a good feeling. No. <laughs> no, it's the worst feeling in the world. Uh, when I've seen footage that I regretted, I'm like, oh no. And then the comments. Joe Rogan actually gave me some of the best advice I've ever gotten. Don't look at the comments. I mean that, that, I know. that, that was literally it's easy Joe to Rogan's say. I know. That was literally Joe Rogan's advice. I know. Everyone's like, Don't read the comments. It's hard not to. They might have been right. The comments <laughs> might have been right yesterday. I'll give them that. Oh wait, the com- oh the comments were right. Look at this yeah. like, again, man. It's like you you just uh, you're like unusually um, self critiquing. Yeah, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> what proportion of comedians hate themselves? I think all. Of them. Uh, it's, it's pretty high. Yeah. But then also the other side of it is you love your your you're like ego, crazy, and also you don't like yourself. Like, I'm, I've been grappling with this a little bit because I'm a very, fairly serious figure, I suppose. Yeah. You know, I've written some serious books about technology and the economy and our dysfunctional political system. So there are people on my team that say, like, look, man, you got to, like, like toe a careful line in terms of the humor because the last thing you want to do is become, like, the ha-ha, like, can't take him seriously joke figure um, but then there's part of me that's like, look, at this point, comedians are the most trusted figures in American life, and that there's almost no way out of this that doesn't involve uh, channeling that energy and humor into something that's both honest and 
positive. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I mean, don't listen to your team. Do whatever you want. That's what people want is someone genuine. That's why Trump gets away with everything. Everyone's like, I feel like he's being honest, though, you know? Well, the, the word know. is authentic. That's what yeah, people I'll say. say it. It's like uh, that, that he's himself. He seems to be authentically phony, <laughs> which is at least somewhat honest compared to most politicians. And that is what most Americans have concluded, yeah. is I'd, I'd rather the authentic asshole than the phony good person. Yeah, and we do such a bad job of pushing each other to the other side. Like I say all the time, man, the biggest recruitment arm for the Republicans is Democrats. I, I don't know what, yeah, it's a bummer. We need McConaughey. <laughs> we, we need it. We, we, we need The Rock. Yeah, we need <laughs> Cuban. All I do is travel the whole country. So, it's another it's, reason why comedians get shit. Yeah. Is because you've been all over the place. Red state, blue state, small town, college and town, it, big city. And it turns out everyone's pretty good as a person. In person. That's what you find out. In person, they're good. Yeah. Like I was, I was in Mississippi two days ago. Great. What are we talking about? They're great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Individually, everyone's pretty cool. And it doesn't matter where you are. I had the same experience running for president. I went small towns, uh, Midwest, South, Northeast. Yeah. I'll actually say a quote to you, someone. I was in Alabama, and then this. Uh, Here's a quote from Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> All right. And uh, so the, and then. This this, what got me in trouble last time. <laughs> this, this guy comes up to me and is like, "Mr. Yang, I don't agree with you on a whole hell of a lot." But you got a set of balls on you, sir, and I respect that a great deal. He like, puts his head out. I was like, well, thank you, sir. Man, I mean, it's awesome. actually like a really yeah, positive yeah, sentiment, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, talking to you, Shane, I mean, you had an extraordinary perspective even when it was happening to you. But, like, you know, now you just, you know, you, you seem to have the healthiest perspective on it ever. I mean, most people would still, uh, you know, be harboring something. But you, you, don't, you don't feel like you have any, any of that. No, I don't. I don't. There's a couple people. <laughs> There's a couple people I don't, you know, I'd still be upset with. But even... Even people that like trashed me, if they, they, I've had people come up and say sorry, and it's like immediately I'm like, great, thank you. I get it. I've I've talked shit on everyone, so when people talk shit on me, I'm like, yeah, I probably, I have that coming a little bit. I've kind of taken on this sort of Jedi, yeah. like shit just rolls off my back kind of thing. Would have been funny if you talked shit on me. Um, you would have killed me. That would have killed me. That would have been funny. Maybe I would have done it had it been if I'd known it was going to be funny. Now, yeah, no, it would. <laughs> Everyone would have been like, "You might have won." <laughs> I'm like, you, yeah, the, you know, are there people I I see as like malignant and destructive and like, please, please go away? Like, yes. Um, yeah, they exist. Yeah, of course. You know, and I think their ranks are multiplying. And this is one of the destructive things, too, is that if you start treating everyone like, hey, you get off stage, you get off stage, you get off stage, and as people are multiplying, it's like, no, we have to distinguish between people yeah. who are like genuinely awful toxic destructive hateful yeah you have to because like, otherwise you keep kicking everyone off stage they're gonna start they they link up yes. now all of a sudden you've got actually somewhat reasonable people that you yes. executed for no reason yes teamed up with trump team not you know trump's a, i'm not trying to throw <laughs> i don't want to ruin my boy trump's good name <laughs> you imitate him on the regular yeah part of it too is like you know it's like the, these social media platforms have, have become 
just like natural homes for people's negative sentiments. So if someone saw your thing and were like, hey, that's fine, they're not going to be like, love this. And yeah, then of course. Gonna of course. Sledge you. So just, you know, let, let, let this be like the, you know, one of the things. Yeah. It's like uh, pretty much everyone, everyone still loves you. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I needed this today. And I have also had this experience too a million times. It's like um, most people have no idea that whatever you're upset about is happening. Now, the, that time when, like, the entire uh, Western civilization turned on you, yeah, people noticed that. They got me. <laughs> people noticed that. You know what's funny? I lived, in, I, lived <laughs> in, stuff. I lived in Spain for, I taught English in Spain for a little, and so I still had these Spanish teachers that I was friends with, and then I didn't talk to them for, like, three years, then I got SNL, and I was on the news in Madrid, they were like, no. racist, comico, like, and they all started hitting me on WhatsApp, like, Shane, what the, what happened? Like, you're racist? I was like... Lo siento. <laughs> like, lo siento. Amigos. The important thing, man, is that, you know, you're uh, thriving. You're a human being. You, you're moving on. You're still making people laugh. Yes. Still doing and everybody, good stuff. People forget. People forget? They forgot the next week. Yes. And I had to live with it, you know. That's yeah. how it goes. But I've got thankfully it. I do stand-up so I can every night Get another do rap. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thank you for real. Like, when you called back then, meant a lot. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thank you.